Good morning and Happy New Year to everyone. It's good to be here again at Boulevard. And um, I, I, you know, last uh, last week Tony was saying, you know, uh, there's a special reward for Canadians in heaven when we get to heaven. <laughs> and uh, I, I was I was checking the weather this morning in Kingston, Ontario, where. Um, the Norrises are from. It was minus 35 degrees Celsius, which is very close to minus 40 Fahrenheit. So that's that's pretty cold. And and I do think there is a special. Um, you know, we've got you guys been inundated with Canadians today. I don't know if you noticed, but the Jaegers are are from Canada, serving the Lord in Papua New Guinea. The Norrises are here from Kingston, and and you know Tony and. And Rosie are also from Canada, so and ourselves are from Canada. So you, I know that there's a special reward for Canadians, but I think you Americans are going to get a special reward for putting up with us when we come down here. So uh, this morning, uh, are we up behind us here? Yes, we are. Good. Uh, this morning, I've been given this really exciting, interesting topic on spiritual gifts. And um, normally, when we get invited to speak, I'm not always asked to speak on a specific subject. I, I usually have something I've been working on in, the, in my time, but this time I've been giving something new that I haven't ever spoken on before, so that was really interesting just to be able to go through some of the, uh, the ideas of spiritual gifts and the local church. Now the assembly here, if you're new to this uh, assembly or just visiting, they've been going through a, a time of consecutive studies on the Bible, what the Bible teaches on the local church. And today we're going to look at something different in the sense that it is the spiritual gifts that will function in the local church. And so uh, I'm going to start off this morning by, by making mention to a need that actually goes beyond the local church, but goes, goes actually into, into the country as well. And I'm going to quote uh, a famous phrase that was said by this president, one of your presidents, John F. Kennedy in his inauguration in 1961, and, and many of you will know right away what I'm talking about. And he says, and so my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. And the rest of you already, you know the rest of it, don't you? Ask what your country, ask what you can do for your country. Now, I know that is a, a, a statement that has to do with our social system around us and our, our country and our citizenship and our responsibilities. But why is it important to us this morning is I want to sort of use the same sort of responsibility that people have as citizens in their country as to what it means for us to be members of a local church. And what does that mean in the way of responsibility for us? Now, Particularly right now, in the era that we live in, this is really good practical teaching because it addresses a number of issues that, that crop up time and again. Now, one of the things that is a, a phenomena recently that we have discovered in the last 30 years or so is the rise and the popularity of megachurches. And, and as, uh, I am so glad to see that God is working in these places as well. And, and we're not going to throw stones at anyone who, who fellowships in a mega church. And we just pray that God blesses his word wherever it goes forth. But one of the criticisms that have been 
made known to me by people who have been amongst them and, and maybe have left for one reason or another is that the fact is that when you go to a church of 10,000 or so people in it, and that's, that's exciting to be there, but people get lost there. And there isn't this real close fellowship that you might find. Now, there might be exceptions to that. But for the most part, there is this idea of, of um, it, it almost can contribute to this idea of being a spectator. And uh, I'll talk about that in a moment. The second thing that, that I want to see that this teaching addresses is the idea that the local church is a place for Christians to come and be served. And uh, I want to just mention that as, uh, in just a moment or two. So first of all, being a follower of Christ is not a spectator sport, all right? I want you to understand that. Starting off right from the very beginning, being a follower of Christ is not a spectator sport. It requires participation. And I want to just go back to the Apostle Paul, who was known as Saul of Tarsus, I want to ask you a question this morning. Remember Saul of Tarsus? The first words that came out of his mouth after he got saved, what were they? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now that really should be the question of every serious born-again believer. When you have come to Christ, that should be the very first question that comes to your mind. Lord, you have saved me. Why did you save me? What do you want me to do? And we're his servants. So why is this important? Well, the first thing is this. When I talk about the idea of um, being responsible members in a Christian fellowship, um, sometimes I have come across people in my travels, and, uh, or I've seen people who have left one church and went to another church, and I've asked them the reason what was the reason? Why did you leave? Why have you left? And, and oftentimes, this is the answer that I, quit, I get. It didn't meet my needs. Have you ever heard that before? It didn't meet my needs. Now, whenever we hear that question, I always like to ask, that, ask with another question. I said, who is the it that didn't meet your needs? Who is the it that didn't meet your needs? You know, when you folks come to Boulevard Bible Chapel, I hope you're not looking for programs and all sorts of different things that are going to meet your needs. You see, being in assembly fellowship is, is like this. And I've used this as an analogy. Now, you all know here in the States what a buffet is, don't you? Because I know you've got the Golden Corral and... And, you, and, and you're famous down here for these buffets. And you, you walk into this place and you pay your money at the till before you get in the door. And then it's an all-you-eat thing. And you go to the table and you take whatever you want that, you, that appeals to you. And you load up the plate. And if you want more, you go back again. Well, that's not what assembly fellowship is. Assembly fellowship is more like a potluck supper. Now, do you know what a potluck supper is? You've got to bring something to take something out, right? You come to the table, and with your own, what, something that you have prepared yourself, you put it on the table for the rest of the, of the ones who are going to enjoy. They can take from your, your, your plate, and you can take from theirs. Now, that is, in many ways, what it's like to be in assembly fellowship. It is like 
everyone participates and we all benefit from the blessing of your efforts and, and the efforts of other people as well. Now we're going to look at the scriptures. I want you to read from Ephesians chapter 4. There are many scriptures that deal with uh, spiritual gifts, but, but we're going to just focus on these ones just now as our, as our, as our um, platform. Ephesians chapter 4, verse and it says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, but with the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all, in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, the first thing I want us just to say this. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us who have been saved. If, if the only thing was that uh, God just wanted to make us ready for heaven, if the only reason that the Lord Jesus saved us is to make us ready for heaven, he could have taken us home to heaven right away. But he hasn't done that. He's left us here for a purpose. Now, spiritual gifts are the tools God gives us to carry out his purpose for us in our lives. So the spiritual gifts that God endows to believers are the tools in which you can use to carry out his purposes for you in your life. Now this morning we want to look at the overview of this subject. This is a big subject, but what I'm going to try and do is we're going to look, uh, well, basically I want to mention the gifts first, but we're not going to go into details in the gifts. There's just too many of them and it's too, of a, too much of an in-depth study for, for one session. But I want to mention that there are about 25 to 30 spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament. And they're primarily mentioned in three passages. 
And I'm going to just quickly read them to you so you can just see the scope of spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. So the first one, the first list is Romans chapter 12. I don't know if that is large enough for you to see. It's a bit small because there's quite a few of them here. But prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. And those are the lists from, from, from Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, we have this list. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gift of healings, miracles, prophecy. Some of these gifts are mentioned in several of the lists, so they might be duplicated. Distinguishing between spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, it says, the apostle, the prophet, teacher, miracles, kinds of healings, helps, administrations, and tongues again are mentioned. In Ephesians 4, we have these were these mentioned. Uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And then we have a couple of other references that maybe you may not have thought of that would contain teaching on spiritual gifts. We have here the idea of voluntary celibacy. Now, somebody's thinking, oh, I hope the Lord doesn't give me that gift. Well, that actually is, is a gift. There are some times an, an individual has been called of God to remain unmarried. And the Apostle Paul likely was a, a, a one who, who had this special grace from God. Um, we have the idea of voluntary, voluntary poverty and uh, hospitality, the gift of hospitality mentioned in First Peter. And then uh, Romans 8 talks about intercession. Now, I know some of these may be up for debate a little bit as to how they are interpreted. But basically, I've, I've, I've given a broad scope of the various references and the, the number of different gifts that are, that are in view. Now, when we talk about uh, my message this morning, I'm going to over, this is the overview. Of, I want to talk, first of all, I was trying to think of a funky way of dividing this all up, and I can't really think of one. So I've come up with these words. The first one is why. Why spiritual gifts? Why were they actually given? And then we talk about who has spiritual gifts. And then we're going to close with this idea of how do they function in the local church. And we'll talk about some of the practical aspects of that. So first of all, why spiritual gifts? What is the purpose of God in distributing spiritual gifts? Now, the analogy that, uh, that is mentioned in our Bible is that of the human body. Now, uh, the Bible is so very simple in many, many ways. It often uses uh, complex teaching uh, illustrated by a very simple thing that you and I would understand. Now, the, even though science back then, 2,000 years ago, wasn't nearly advanced as, as it is today, they still knew that the body worked together as one, and there were different parts of the body that that all functioned for the for the basic uh, good of the whole body. And it's amazing that that with all of our development in the science that has gone into the study of the human body, as well as other things, that that teaching has actually uh, been expanded in the sense that we are even more amazed. When you look at the intricacies of the human body, and it doesn't matter how deep you go into the study and look at and dissect things, how everything so nicely meshes together for the development and for the, 
for the benefit of the one human body to function normally. Now, it doesn't take long for you to understand that when there is a breakdown in the body, the whole body is affected by it. Now, um, you know, I have a particular situation. I'm sitting in this wheelchair right now. And um, I remember when we were still in Maun, Botswana, um, uh, this was before I was in the wheelchair. I was still working. I was still able to walk with, uh, with walking sticks. But one of the things that, that happened to me once I got TB meningitis is I have a condition that is called proprioception. In other words, my lower limbs, my legs, I don't know where my legs are in space. Now, unless I know, unless I physically look at where my foot is, I don't know where it's located. And uh, you, you guys who are healthy, if, you, if, if, if your leg is like this, your foot's like, you know it, you can feel it, you can sense it. It's somehow, there's all sorts of ways your body perceives where your foot is, and that's translated to your brain, and you realize, well, that's not right, so you get your foot like that. Well, you see, I don't have that. And one of the comical things happened to me one time. I was in Maun, and I was going to the hardware store, and uh, I didn't know, I don't know where my feet are. I basically walk by faith, basically. And, and um, I was going to the hardware store. I had one walking stick at the time. And um, the, in, in Botswana, in Maun, they have a big desk that you stand up and you tell the guy what you want. And he goes running around looking for it. Now, I was walking into the store and there was a big African guy standing at the desk at the counter waiting to be served. And and uh, I walked up and, and was standing beside him. And, um, and the next thing he looks at me and he goes, sorry, sorry. Now, in, in, in African English, when you say sorry, you're not apologizing. You're saying, excuse me, you're getting in my way. That's what it means. And he's saying, sorry. I looked at him, what's your problem? He says, you're standing on my foot. Now, I didn't know that, but my foot, you know, because I just walked in, and I've just set my foot on top of his. I didn't know that. And uh, he's standing there with my, my foot on top of his foot. You see, my body isn't working right. Now, when it comes to the spiritual body of Christ, this local church is compared to a body, every single member of the body has a role to play, has a function to play. So we want to, first of all, we want to look at these things. Now, Every, this is the first thing you need to understand. Every believer has been gifted with a spiritual gift. There is not one believer here today and you can say, I have no gift. Now that's impossible. That's not true. God has a purpose for you and he has given you a gift to use for the benefit of the local assembly. Now, you receive this gift when you are born again. This is normally how it works. You receive this gift when you are born again. And I want to just mention also, and often we don't think about this, but do you realize that young Christian children also have a special gift from God? Now, oftentimes that gift is still um, immature, and we may not 
They might not even know what it is yet or appreciate what it is, but God has gifted even children, and sometimes children at a young age are already exhibiting the character traits of a special gift that God has given to them, and they need to be encouraged and fostered to to develop that, that spiritual gift. So every believer has been given a gift, and uh, you receive this gift when you're born again, and even children have that gift. Now, oftentimes the question is this. What is my spiritual gift? Now, there may be someone here today, and that might be what you're asking. If you're a young Christian, often that is a question that is asked. Uh, you're asking, where do I fit in? What can I do for the Lord? What can I do that would be the most benefit to the body of Christ. Now, before we get into what that is, I want to cover a, an excuse. And often, uh, have you ever heard this excuse? Well, that's not my gift. Hmm? Have you ever heard that? You know, there are certain things, uh, you know, the scriptures require all believers to practice certain things. They are also gifts, but they're also responsibilities of individual believers. We're talking about giving. We're talking about evangelism. We're talking about compassion and faith and wisdom. These are all gifts, but they are all responsibilities of all believers. So when it comes to evangelism, don't ever say, I don't have that gift, because that is a responsibility. I remember, you know Chris Schroeder, don't you? He comes, he'll be down here. And, and, and you know what? I re still remember when I took the Ezekiel Project for the first time in 1993. Uh, he was saying, you know, this idea of, of, of it's not my gift of evangelism. He says, fake it. The Lord will forgive you. Those are his <laughs> phrases. That was, and you know, that really is true. You and I as believers, we have a responsibility to be evangelists. Uh, it may, we may not be gospel preachers, let's say from the platform. We may not be open air preachers. That may not be our, 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 our way of doing it. But every one of us has the responsibility as a Christian to be able to share the gospel evangelism with individuals. And, um, and th this goes into different areas of the Christian life as well. So let's get that, first of all, out of the way. We don't want to hear that excuse when it comes to certain things of responsibility in our Christian experience. It's not my gift. That, doesn't, that, don't, that won't wash. Now, another thing that we need to just sort of clarify is the idea of what about talents? Is there a difference uh, between uh, talents and spiritual gifts? Well, this is how uh, I've looked at it, okay? Talents are natural abilities that are often the result of genetics. Talents are learned disciplines through conditioning and training we have received. Now, that's, that's a definition that I've come up with with the idea of a talent, okay? Now, when it comes to spiritual gifts, that's a little bit different. Spiritual gifts, on the other hand, are an empowerment of supernatural origin, not a result of genetics, training, or condition. Now, let me, let me say this, first of all, that all talents are a gift from God, all right? Now, that's, that's a wonderful thing that we need to acknowledge. But when it comes to the local church, there is a specific talent, which is a spiritual gift that God has given to every individual believer to function in the local church. Now, how do you discover 
your, your gifts? Now, that's a, a really good question. And these are practical things that I want to sort of get involved in. First of all, you need to get involved. You'll not discover your spiritual gift by just staying at home. See, all of the gifts that have been given to us as believers has been given in view of practicing and participating in the local church. You see, that's why it's so important to get involved. And if you don't get involved, you may never discover what your spiritual gift is. So this idea of uh, a, a Christian who is in isolation, who maybe pitches up once in a while during special events at a local church or that sort of thing, I want you to understand if you continue that way, you will lose, likely, whatever gift God has given you. If you don't use the gifts that God has given you, you likely will lose them. It's very similar to a person who has um, uh, a cast, has broken their leg, and they put a cast on for six or seven weeks, and they take the cast off, and they look at that leg compared to the other one. Where's all the muscles gone? Atrophy is set in. And because that muscle wasn't used, it started to disappear. And that's what happens to us with our spiritual gifts. First of all, get involved. Get involved. As you explore the different ministry areas, you will soon discover if you are gifted for these ministries. Now, um, look for this. These are, there's four points here I want you to just take into consideration. Look for those ministries in which you mo- find most fulfilling, in which you feel most fulfilled. Now, you need to be somewhat careful here because there's a lot of people that have an idea that they are good at something when they're not. Now, I, I, I used to love watching American Idol. And, you know, I, am, I find it astounding sometimes to listen to somebody who can't sing themselves out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> and they are absolutely shocked that the judges have said, you can't sing. Like, they can't believe it. Like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Of course I can sing. Have you heard me in the shower? Of course I can sing. But there are some people who have their own um, idea of what their gift is, and really that's not where their, their, their gift is. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But first of all, look, look for those ministries in which you feel most fulfilled. Look for those ministries in which you seem to be the most effective. And then look for those ministries in which others affirm your abilities. Now, you see, this is where your, your Christian brethren, your elders, and your shepherdesses can step in and guide you. Now, if you as a young person have a particular interest in a certain area or a certain field or a certain gift, and, and you are seeking to function that area, sometimes you need to get the input from others just to give you some guidance. And, and um, you know, as you look to uh, people to get some information, you need to seek counsel from those who will give you an honest assessment. Now, don't go asking people who you know are going to be your friends and are going to tell you what you want to hear. You need to speak with people who are going to be objective and to be able to give you an honest answer and sometimes people are a little bit afraid because they don't want to discourage you 
And, and, uh, but, but just be very honest with perhaps a, an older sister, an older brother, and say, listen, I'm interested in doing this and working in this particular area of the assembly. Would you feel that this would be something that I would fit in, or would you prefer me, would you see me doing something else? Sometimes you have to actually get that out of them, because people are not often... Uh, they don't want to discourage people. They're trying to encourage everybody. But sometimes we need to be honest with people and say, listen, if you want to be the most effective, I would suggest working in this area. So we need good, honest, uh, older people just to help us with some of these things. Now, when it comes to the functioning of spiritual gifts, I want to talk a little bit about the attitude. And this is very important because... Oftentimes, spiritual gifts can be misused. If you look at um, the church at Corinth, for example, there are great examples of, of, of this church being endowed with tremendous spiritual gifts, yet there was abuse that was going on there. And the first thing that we want to do is, is this. Don't compare. If God has blessed you in a particular area of ministry and you're being used of God to function in that way, don't compare. Preachers are terrible guys at that. They always like to compare themselves. You know, when I was preaching, for instance, today, there's a bigger audience today than there was last Sunday when that brother was preaching, you know. So, did you notice that, Tony? I hope you noticed that. That's the first thing you notice, you see. So, but don't do that. Don't, don't do what Tony and I just did. Don't compare. But, Honestly, we do things like that, don't we? We're always looking for affirmation. We're always looking for, you know, we want that, that little extra bit of boost. Don't do that. Don't compare. You see, the Lord is the one who's going to be judging. And we want to be making sure that, that, that the Lord is, is, we're being honest with him. And we're being faithful in service to him. The next thing is that is don't boast. Don't, you know... Preachers are terrible boasters. And I won't pick on Tony myself now, but there are others as well. I mean, we need to be humble in the way we exercise our gifts and, and, and don't boast. Another thing that you need to remember is giftedness is not spirituality. I know of individuals who, are, who have been endowed with great spiritual gifts, but they're carnal. They're carnal. The church at Corinth is a perfect example of an assembly that was been blessed with tremendous spiritual gifts, but they were carnal. They were fleshly. And there wasn't much of God in it because of people so wrong on their idea of, of, of spiritual gifts. So don't compare, don't boast, and giftedness is not spirituality. And then... This is another important point, and I, I personally have made this something as part of my personal mission. Now, and I would recommend you doing this. And, and several years ago, my wife and I, and particularly myself because of my own particular situation, is I needed to make a list of what was God's mission for my life, Sid Hall's band. What was my mandate? What was my mission? And it might only have been eight or nine points, but I summarized where I was going with my life and what I wanted to do with it. And 
One of the things that as my world, as I started to get weaker and weaker and was having to get in the wheelchair, my world started to get smaller. And as my world started to get smaller, I began to to think about the things that I used to be able to do and I can't do anymore. And you know what? Just the other day, uh, this was an example. Andrew and I were painting our driveway with this... um, driveway paint and of course I want to get into onto it as well so Andrew got two rollers with the, the handle on it and we got our paint tray and put the paint in and alright so I'm going to do this so what do I do I'm in a wheelchair so I wheel out to the paint tray put the thing in now what do I do put it across my lap not so far that the thing falls over, but just nicely. Oh, now I got paint on my trousers. Now what happens? Okay. Now I wheel to where I'm supposed to paint. Paint, 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 paint. Now I'm out of paint. Put the back of my trousers. More, more paint my trousers. Back to the, you know. After a little bit, I said, Andrew, this isn't my job. I can't do this. Focus on what you can do not on what you cannot do. Now, oftentimes believers are paralyzed and not functioning because they're focusing on things that they can't do. Or they're waiting and delaying for better circumstances to take place. Then I'll do that. How many of you young people here are in a one-bedroom apartment and you want to use your time and your apartment for the Lord. And you want to entertain people. But you're thinking, no, it's just a one bedroom. Let's wait till we get a big house. Then we can really entertain people. You know what? You keep waiting and you won't have that opportunity anymore. Use what you have. You've got to take up what you have. Don't think about what you could do. But think what you can do now. Don't concentrate. Don't focus on what you cannot do. Uh, uh, I mean, focus on what you can do, not what you cannot do. So this has to do with our attitudes. Now, I'm going to close with this, and and maybe um, I want to just make a mention here. Also, with our attitude, we need to know when to pass on the baton. You might be gifted in the area of leadership, but you need to know when it's time to pass the baton on to younger men who have also been gifted in leadership. Countless churches and assemblies have been destroyed by men who do not know when to pass the baton on. In assemblies in Cape Town where I've been serving the Lord, I've visited a number of assemblies and you find and there's a huge chapel. And you go in there and there's a handful of old people. No young folk, no children. One assembly I went to, the guy who invited me to preach, he was 92. He still gave out the the announcements, still invited the preachers. 30 years ago, he should have retired. 
but he hadn't. You see, maybe there's an area, and I'm speaking to the older brethren here today and, and older sisters, and I want to encourage you, and, and I love Boulevard because Boulevard has got such a wealth of young people here, and praise God for that, and, 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 and I'm glad to see you've encouraged and brought younger men on the oversight, and we look to the future for, for more blessing this way. But many assemblies can learn from Boulevard Bible Chapel here today. Now, don't get boasting and proud of yourselves. But I want you to understand that there are different areas of ministry that you as believers have and you as young men and women will have today. But there'll be coming a day when you'll have had past your best by date. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't participate but I would much rather go out with a legacy being able to look at a young man who has been able to take up the torch after me than to look at a, have a legacy of a church that fell apart because I didn't have enough humility or brains to know when to pass the baton on. So these are practical aspects of this idea of spiritual gifts and how we, how we are to function and the attitude we have. But I want to conclude with this verse. First, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on, the hand, putting on of my hands. Now that was the Apostle Paul who, who encouraged Timothy. Timothy was... Paul laid his hands on Timothy. Now what that means is Paul identified with this young man, Timothy. He associated with him. And it's, it's, like, it's like a handshake. It's like the right hand of fellowship. It's not this magical thing, you know, that came across. No. It's he embraced Timothy and identified with him. And by his identification with him, he was able to help Timothy identify his gifts. Now just... Identifying your gift this morning is the first stage. What happens, what needs to happen, is it needs to be stirred up. Just as a flame of fire needs to be, that fire, those coals need to be stirred up to be fanned into a nice blazing flame. In order for you to function as an effective, gifted part of the body of Christ... This gift needs to be fanned to a flame. Now all of us have that responsibility to fan each other's flame, to encourage them. To you see some young brother who's maybe a bit feeble and doesn't he's a shy young man who doesn't like to take part, and one Sunday morning he stands up and he trips over his words, but he gives out a little prayer and a and and you know what? Get over there and encourage him. Planted a flame. Encourage these younger sisters who, who want to open up their home and, and entertain the Lord's, saint, the Lord's people. This needs encouragement. We need to fan a flame. And as we look into the lives and, and rub shoulders with our fellow believers at here at Boulevard, we can see the different gifts that different ones have. Been, have. We need to encourage, fan it a flame, strengthen the body of Christ. And the whole purpose is that the Lord Jesus might be glorified. May God bless his word. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, this morning we quiet in our hearts in your presence.
And we just thank you that you have all these things under control. You've saved us. You've gifted us. You've preserved us and kept us. You've given us a local body to function in and to be used. And Lord, we just look to you for your blessing on this assembly here at Boulevard. We think of the huge responsibility that these young people here have as they look at their futures and we pray for them that they would be able to use their gifts in a way that would make Boulevard Assembly prosper and grow. We thank you for those that are visiting with us today. We think of those that aren't in the habit of of committing themselves to any local fellowship. We pray that through the instruction of your word today and by your Holy Spirit, that you would raise within them an interest and a desire to see the need to get busy for the Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for the many blessings we have today as we give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.